This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. The New York Attorney General's office has opened an investigation about the effects of climate change and how they may be enhanced by a company like Exxon. While not much is known about the investigation at this point, the question to be asked is, is this a start of a broader look at the oil industry where it's uh, where it is respective to climate change? To look at this investigation and what might happen in the future, we are joined here in studio by Wharton Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics, Eric Ortz, who also is a faculty director for the initiative of initiative for global environmental leadership and he's also the author of business persons a legal theory of the firm published in a new paperback version by oxford university press also with us on the phone tracy hester professor of practice at the university of houston law center who focuses on environmental law and emerging technology eric is always great to see you thanks for coming over thanks very much you got to be here again tracy great to have you on the phone today Thanks much. It's a pleasure to be here. You got it. Tracy, let's, uh, why start with Exxon? What is it about Exxon that is drawing the initial uh, push by the New York AG's office? Well, Exxon, simply because it's the, one of the largest, it's also been one of the most, in the past, strongest advocates of uncertainty in climate science. Uh, they, uh, as a result, are sort of a, a nice initial target, but it is by no means, I think, clear that, or, or I put it this way, um, it's not just Exxon, as, as we'll probably discuss in the next half hour. Uh, other members of the oil industry probably are going to be facing similar inquiries. I, I was going to say that, especially with BP and the, and the disaster in the Gulf of Mexico. Well, actually, uh, that raises an interesting schism. Uh, it turns out that the uh, European energy companies have actually had a little bit of a different position on climate science and have not taken exactly the same positions as uh, multinationals headquartered in the United States. Uh, so, for example, Shell and BP have actually were diverging from Exxon and other members of the in- oil industry in the United States fairly early on. Uh, the BP spill and other incidents in BP's environmental management record reflect different issues, but in terms of climate science, uh, BP at one point was actively marketing itself as uh, basically a, a beyond carbon company. Eric, why, though, the New York Attorney General's office? Because, I mean, that in itself is interesting because you would think if you're talking about this type of an investigation, it might be you know, at a higher level, at the federal level. But this is the New York Attorney General's office doing this, which is obviously pushed forward on a lot of different issues. You know, Eric Schneiderman is very well known for being, a, you know, a very aggressive attorney general in New York State. So, I mean, to borrow an old sports analogy, what horse do they have in this race right now? Well, that's an interesting question. I think it's true, as you uh, as you just indicated, that New York in the attorney general's office in New York has often been a leader in pushing the envelope on finding and prosecuting and, and uh, bringing to uh, general attention new violations or new kinds of fraud. And so we see uh, it's really not exceptional in this case. Uh, they're a lead, they've been a leader in, in uncovering other kinds of securities frauds that mm-hmm. then the SEC or the federal government will pick up. So it's not unusual for the, for New York to take a leading position in this. And as we know, with uh, former Mayor Bloomberg's uh, leadership in the climate change area, 
New York City is uh, a it's not it's not controversial for a New York attorney general to be taking on climate change as it might be in some other parts of the country. Now, one just to answer one specific yeah. question you ask is the way we, how do they get this authority? And that's under the Martin Act, which is a okay. very broad state uh, law that is has has a long pedigree. It's a, and it basically says uh, any fraud that you commit can be under the jurisdiction of uh, of the New York uh, New York system. And, and part of this also goes to, uh, I guess, a kind of a coalition that some of the oil companies had back in the 1990s, and maybe some of the moves that they made starting back then to kind of really kind of shut down the the research into climate change and, and really try and you know eliminate some of the some of the contention against against the oil industry in this area. Yeah, I would agree with what uh, Tracy had said earlier that this is definitely this is going to go beyond, or most likely, it's going to go beyond ExxonMobil and what positions they've taken in this. Um, my own sense, and I agree also. I should disclose that Shell is actually a supporter of the initiative for global environmental leadership that I'm a director of, but I'm still objective. Yeah. But I agree with his point uh, that the uh, some of the European-based companies, including BP and Shell, had taken leadership positions and had diverged from. Uh, most of the U.S. oil companies on this issue. Uh, now, we should also keep in mind that there, this is a global business where uh, Chinese oil companies, uh, Russian oil companies are not subject to the same kinds of yep. uh, scrutiny, but they certainly uh, are involved with uh, with this kind of uh, with this kind of general question. So. Um, the question of what uh, what have companies done in the past is going to come up, and there are really two different areas I think we can start to focus on. One is uh, lobbying, but yep. to a significant <clears throat> extent, lob- political lobbying is not subject to a review of is this allowed or not. So if you prefer one candidate, and one of the reasons is that you prefer a candidate who is saying, I don't want a, this particular kind of climate change mm-hmm. legislation, uh, but I'd rather... Uh, you know, have a, have another view of it. That's that's not a question. What's really become a question in this case is the fact, uh, or it seems to be uh, established, that there's evidence that's come out that Exxon and perhaps other companies had sponsored false research. So internally to the company, uh, they knew very well. And in fact, uh, you know, a defense that Exxon is, and other companies are going to have is that we actually supported research that sh- that was advancing the climate science. And yeah. a, as part of the general uh, general scientific community, what's at issue though is did they also support science that they knew, uh, and that's going to be a, a tricky standard because uh, what what do you know? How how, how did the science become true? Et but was there an intentional effort to um, sponsor false science essentially, yeah. and that you then um, then that's fraudulent, right? Because you know. Uh, the the claim, at least, is a is an analogous claim to the claim that had been made against the tobacco companies, which sure. was internally you knew that tobacco uh, smoking tobacco caused cancer, caused uh, heart disease, but you then were uh, intentionally trying to mislead the public about the science. So the same kind of question is coming up here: Did Exxon know that? Science, uh, climate change is happening, but then intentionally try to mislead the public and their uh, investors um, on that on that question. Which, which obviously, sure. and, and, go ahead, Tracy. Go ahead. Oh, I just was going to jump in, but I'm sorry, Eric. If you want, I did want to interrupt. You, if you want to finish. Oh no, I, I was, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to basically agree with you. So hopefully, this is a good interruption. <laughs> uh, 
But I did want to point out that there is a, a slight difference, so it may legally be extremely important. The tobacco industry did organize and maintain an intense research effort internally that clearly drew a link between nicotine and addiction, nicotine and smoking and harm, but they kept it all behind a wall of privilege and intentionally took every possible step they could to keep it secret. Uh, the difference with Exxon is that they're really they're facing a, a basic conflict between what they were discussing inside corporate suites, and actually they actually had you know, a, a pretty highly prof- high profile climate modeler on staff, and then what they were supporting outside of the company. So there's not an orchestrated campaign of secrecy that was behind the cloak of attorney-client privilege the way the tobacco industry was set up, but nonetheless there's there's a pretty deep conflict that seems to be developed between what they were planning and Hmm. making capital decisions on internally and what they were advocating as uncertain science outside. Uh, As a small postscript to this as well, and again, Eric is absolutely right, the Martin Act is the big difference here. Hmm. The Martin Act is a state law that gives enormous power to the Attorney General to investigate and issue subpoenas even without a lawsuit, uh, alleged fraud related to the sale of securities within the state. I just it, that the reason that's important is that this is not the first time um, we actually have had prior Martin Act subpoenas go out in 2007, 2008 to other energy companies dealing with their security statements related to climate change for coal-fired power plants. Right. And I just wanted to mention that because as we speak, I think they just wrapped up a press conference announcing a new settlement with Peabody Coal under the old 2007-2008 uh, subpoenas. So uh, the Attorney General's been in this nexus for quite a while. It, it is interesting because, as you said, Eric, when you kind of correlate it to what has happened with the tobacco industry, you know, eventually the tobacco industry has had to pay out uh, because uh, of all of the different research that has obviously come forward. It's going to be very interesting to see how do you go about proving some of this potential false documentation of this research it's a very it, it's kind of a, a a tough wall to crack i would think yeah and i think there's another i think you're right about that and i, and I think another important difference is at the end of the day in the tobacco cases you had pretty clear causal links of yeah. deaths or early uh, or illnesses of of individual people who are then need to are in a class of people who need to be compensated and of course climate change is a much different animal yeah. uh, the question is going to be uh, how how stock prices might get affected by this or who who's who's actually hurt in other words so mm-hmm. investors can come forward and say well I'm inve- I was investing in ExxonMobil it's hard to say though that if you're an investor and you're investing in an oil company, that somehow you're being misled about climate change. So yeah. uh, you know the, the 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 contrary view would be, well, it's kind of obvious, and so who would really be <laughs> yeah. believing uh, this misinformation? So there's a little bit of a reliance test. We call it something called a reliance test in securities law, where I think that's a little bit of a question as to whether they're going to be able to maintain that as a now, as, as a securities class action kind of suit, which would be where you'd start to look for where would the big damage here be? Sure. And uh, it's not clear. Maybe um, maybe Trace is right that maybe, you know the Peabody Coal uh, settlement. Maybe that's all that New York is looking for here. There's some kind of uh, they're looking to make a statement, but not. Uh, it's not really going to 
balloon into a tobacco tobacco kind of li- you know size liability. But Tracy, where do you think that that kind of lies right now? Because at least from a lot of the reporting that's out there, it seems like, and you alluded to it at the top, that this is not just going to be Exxon alone. This is going to be several of the oil companies that will eventually get called in on this. Well, I think there are really two different baskets of liability we're talking about. Uh, one is liability for making false or misleading statements to the public, particularly ones that might affect share prices. And Eric's absolutely right in that respect. That there may be some causal links there, and, and there may be some efforts to force fuller disclosure by the companies going forward. And and that seems to me a, a natural initiative, which if one oil company or energy company makes that decision, it makes it harder and harder for the other energy companies to resist making similar types of disclosures. The The liability that seems to be getting a lot of attention right now, though, is actually not as much for securities disclosures as it is under uh, RICO, the Racketeer Influence Mm -hmm. Corrupt Organizations Act, uh, which is a very broadly crafted statute that allows prosecution and um, damages actions for activities engaged in over – that involve a federal offense, which can include wire fraud – if there, there's already been calls by um, uh, Bernie Sanders as well as uh, Sheldon Whitehouse uh, in the Senate that there should be a RICO investigation of Exxon. And I would expect the key thing there is that once that, initi- that type of action begins, the real question becomes discovery, what mm-hmm. sort of information gets uncovered by that action. Uh, as a side note, it doesn't just have to be RICO. Um, it actually has already popped up in other ways in climate tort lawsuits. Uh, there have been two different lawsuits filed, one in Mississippi and one in Alaska, which have been dismissed on other grounds, but buried within them is uh, civil conspiracy counts, which echo a lot of the issues that we've been talking about with RICO and securities disclosures. Uh, the interesting thing about civil conspiracy charges is that uh, it gives a judge a basis to force production of information, even if it's privileged, if those attorney-client communications were made as part of that conspiracy. That would really open up the file drawers, and uh, that, mm-hmm. that'd be worth watching. We're talking with uh, Eric Ortz uh, of the uh, Wharton School, professor of legal ethics and uh, legal studies and business ethics, and also Tracy Hester from the University of Houston uh, Law Center. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Uh, we're talking about Exxon being investigated by the New York Attorney General's office uh, with uh, ties to uh, climate change. I, I guess, Tracy... Right now, where we are in terms of Exxon and, and and their what they have done in the past, maybe what they haven't done in the past, where where is the New, Turney, New York Attorney General's office really focusing specifically on Exxon as a company itself? Well, at this point, they're focusing subpoenas on basically information on anything that that is might be potentially relevant. Uh, I first, I have to confess, I've not yet seen the subpoenas themselves. Yeah, but my understanding is that they're very broad. They seek not only just statements, but they also seek financial records. They're seeking securities filings. They're seeking any type of information that would reflect what type of support and contribution Exxon was giving to these other coordinated trade groups. So it it seems to be at this point a broad-based search to determine whether or not Exxon was coordinating and making statements in a way that could be construed as a fraud on investors and probably the germane elements of that would be simply, is there a hardcore, clear distinction where what Exxon was saying in public flatly contradict what Exxon was 
believing in private or investment decisions it was making. The interesting thing, Eric, is the fact that realistically, at least at this point, this doesn't have a ton to do with their operational side uh, of this. I mean, they may have been doing things on, but realistically, the investigation is on maybe what was said at the corporate level. It may get to you know, what the what actions the company actually took off of these potential statements. But we're talking about what they were actually saying in the in the offices, at least for right now. Yeah, I think that's right. And the, the other important point to make is that this these are uh, actions that have occurred in the past. So yeah. uh, th- there have been allegations previously about uh, or d- disclosures where there's questions about uh, was Exxon funding certain kinds of studies, et cetera. That, as I understand it, that behavior has now ceased at least three years ago, maybe longer, and that there has been a complete policy change, at least, again, as I understand it, with with Exxon. Basically, Exxon is not in the camp of denying climate change science now, yeah. and they have, in fact, uh, come on board and, and are advocates of a uh, putting a tax on carbon and, and having a, a tax approach as opposed to a carbon uh, you know, cap-and-trade kind of approach. So, uh, so what we're really talking about is past actions, and um, what then will happen out of that. So, that, you know, it raises some other questions that we've talked about in the past about if you are assessing damages now against Exxon for these past actions, when in fact it's already corrected its behavior in some general sense. Then, what are you really trying to achieve? Yeah, you're getting shareholders now to pay shareholders uh, before, and but they're, um, but still, it probably. Uh, to be a little bit more cynical about it, it it probably it, one interpretation, let's just put it that way, would be that there's a political motivation here. Sure. Yeah. That you're essentially idea is let's push this forward. Uh, the attorney general becomes famous for the <laughs> next uh, next uh, targeting. You successfully get information out, and, but you're really trying. You know, at least one view would be you're really trying to push the envelope on the climate change policy issue. Timing is not bad. You have, uh, in terms of, you have a big international conference yep. coming up, and yep. you're trying to put pressure on the um, pressure on oil companies and and other fossil fuel companies to lay back in terms of at least what, what what kind of tools they could use to challenge that. But as you said, Exxon is kind of changing their philosophy on this. I would think that that pretty much many companies have changed their philosophy on this, at least to some degree. Well, and I think, yeah, I think that that's true. It's still, um, and this may also be a, a, a beneficial outcome of this. I think it has been true, and Tracy mentioned this earlier, it, that European companies and are have been generally far ahead of U.S. companies on this issue. You don't see in most other uh, uh, democratic countries in the world elections where an entire opposing party is against this, mm-hmm. you know, basically is in, de- in denial entirely on climate science. And right now... You have about fifteen candidates. I don't know what, what's whatever the Something whatever like that, the current yeah. count is. Exactly. I think none of them this time uh, take that position. In the previous election cycle, we had John Huntsman Jr., who who is we, who we like because he's on the board of trustees here at Penn, et cetera. But, yes. but in general, you know, in this point, he was uh, he ran on a uh, a pro let's do something about climate change point of view and got two percent of the vote uh, in that last election. So that lesson's been learned. So, but I think that. Um, that that's another question here, and 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 what a broader question is the lobbying efforts of big oil and, mm-hmm. and the coal companies, et cetera. Where are the dollars going to help to try to 
affect the political process in the United States. And the one difference between the United States and many other democratic countries in the world is that we allow a significant, very large amounts of corporate funding and funding yep. from individuals to flow into the political process. And I, I think that's another subtext here that we're that, that, that we're dealing with. And, and Tracy, that's another case of following the money, you know, and, and it's it's always been thrown out there in terms of the political game here in the United States, but it is truly another case of following the money. Well, it, and it, it bears noting, yes, it is important, and Eric's absolutely correct, Exxon has changed its position, and you'll find most majors have changed their positions as time has gone by. But if you look at their energy forecast, uh, Exxon and Shell in particular and BP, all of them have a very crisp and clear worldview that sees the world continue to rely on fossil fuels into the indefinite future. And that perspective can't help but color what sorts of lobbying and contributions and other type of uh, participation in groups they're going to do. It, it, it may not necessarily be nefarious in any way, but the, the truth of it is that they are still going to be in a position where they are going to be actively advocating legislative strategies that are going to assure a future role for fossil fuel. It also does mean that that it has to put a crimp on the plans of a lot of the alternative energy companies that are out there. Uh, just put, you know puts another roadblock in their way, correct? Well, in, in the sense of that, I'm not exactly sure what you mean there. Uh, well, well, I mean, I would think, I mean, if that lobbying is going to have an effect on companies that are you know are, are trying to push forward philosophies on alternative energies oh. somehow, some way. Uh, absolutely, I, I, and I think that in part. There have been attempts by the majors to actually play both sides of the fence, to invest in renewable or other types of alternative energies. Um, right now, they've had very mixed success, um, in particular investments in wind and biofuels. So that lobbying effort to assure a, few, few, a role for fossil fuels in the future, you know, to a certain extent, does undercut a little bit their efforts to expand in other types of renewable energy areas. Yeah, well, let me pick up on that a little yeah. bit. I think it's also true that I, I agree with the point that as long as your business is fossil fuels and you're going to be, there's going to be an interest in making sure that that's not going to become more unprofitable. Sure. But I also think that the majors, and, and Tracy mentioned this earlier about BP, there was the idea that they were going to be beyond petroleum. There were significant investments they were making alternative fuels, but at the same, and then they blew up because they yep. didn't pay, pay very close attention to safety requirements and, and, and had a major disaster. And that was uh, a few major disasters, not only the uh, the, the Gulf disaster, but the um, but my general point was that you see Exxon actually diversifying now into major uh, investments in natural gas, uh -huh. and many people believe that you need uh, a, a transitional fuel. And I actually agree with the general forecasts um, that some of the majors are making. They may be overestimating our our continuing reliance on fossil fuel, but in general, I think that they will be. Um, it's true that we are going to be relying on fossil fuels for some time. The transition is pretty sure. difficult to make directly to alternative fuels. We're having, but what will what will help in that is if you increase the price on if you put a tax on carbon, then that's going to increase the incentives for the big energy companies as well as everyone else to develop these alternatives going forward. And is that truly, uh, Tracy, the way that we're going to see some of these bigger energy companies, the oil companies, maybe start to you know, kind of tip the scale a little bit and invest in other types of energy as well? Uh, I think what you'll see is, yes, there, there's 
Exxon has been up front. They're one of the few to say that a carbon tax makes sense. Uh, I think, interestingly enough, the, the outcome in Paris, but also the full implementation of the Clean Power Plan from EPA on, on power plant carbon emissions uh, could actually expand the market and make it easier for them to compete in lower carbon energy technologies. But uh, bottom line right now is that you're going to be seeing companies expanding their other portfolios if they're seeing a clear signal coming from both the legislature and internationally that they're going to have to start internalizing the cost of emitting carbon. And uh, that's, it's been slow coming. Where do, you, where do you see this this push by the New York Attorney General's office really going? How do you think this is going to play out? Because, uh, I mean, Exxon is obviously the, the big name that's on the table right now. We both, uh, I think we all agree that the potential is for other oil companies to be involved in this. But where does the Attorney General's office take this? I mean, what do they want to do? Will they take Exxon to court over these if the evidence is there? Well, I'll, okay, here's my foray into cynicism, so I'll keep up with Eric on this front. Uh, I'll, I'll be glad to wager a, a very nice bottle of scotch with you that the outcome on this one will be a settlement. Yeah. The settlement will be a, a basically a requirement that Exxon make a fuller and more aggressive disclosure of its climate liability and climate risk to its capital investment. It will also require that they more fully embrace the results of energy modeling made by other governmental agencies. And it will also expressly say Exxon in no way admits that it made any kind of misstatement. So that is how all of – remember the prior actions I mentioned from 2007, 2008? Mm -hmm. So far, all of those have been resolved with that kind of settlement. Uh, I'll also point out that the 2007-2008 subpoenas – were initiated by then Attorney General Cuomo, who is now the governor of New York. Yep. So there, there is a political element to this as well. Uh, well I'm, I'm tempted to wager something for a scotch, but it's not uh, clear. <laughs> I think that that's. I think that I can't go against the prediction that you're going to have a settlement. What the details will be, I, 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 I don't know for sure, but I think that that's correct. My overall, I think the objective, and maybe I'll try to put a little bit more of an optimistic spin on this. I, overall, I think the objective is that you. Uh, that government officials want companies to tell the truth. And so if you know, uh, if you're in the energy business and, you, and you're looking at climate change and then you start to say, well, it's not, re-, you know, the truth as the science is progressing is not yeah. in my interest. So let's suppress it. Let's try to find other ways to, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's support politicians who, are get, who, who don't believe the science and let's, let's even get uh, see if we can hire scientists to come up with other solutions to complicate, muddy the waters, that sort of thing. And I think that's, uh, you know, I think from if you ask most people, that's wrong. Uh, it's wrong for tobacco companies to mm-hmm. have hidden information when the science is coming out. Science is our, is our primary understanding of how, how truth is. Truth is established. And I think uh, I, to the extent that Tracy, you know, I think to you know the elements that uh, Tracy is indicating would be uh, achieved. It, you basically say, okay, I promise. Maybe you don't admit that you did anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's the standard one. Oh, that's another debate. But you say, uh, I, you know, yes. Ideally, you would say, yes. I'm sorry, <laughs> I did that. We we made a mistake. Slap and, on the wrist. Uh, we shouldn't have done that. But and going forward, we're not going to do that. And we promise that we're not going to do that. And you have a consent agreement, uh, and you and you try to move forward with the with some assurances that you're going to tell the truth going forward. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.